another episode of the Economics of Everything podcast with yours truly, Alex Vieira. Here at the Econ of Everything, we believe that economics in its purest form is a study of how people make decisions. Thus, our goal is to make our audience the most informed decision makers in all parts of their life. Now, we will do this by breaking down complex topics using data, research, and practicing economic theories. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the Customer Development Manifesto. Now, this manifesto was created by Steve Blank in the Startup Owner Manuals textbook, which was written by him, and it's a great book that really runs through the process of creating a physical or a digital product. If you want to read the book yourself and get a first-hand experience of where I am coming from, feel free to check out our website, econoveverything.com, and buy it yourself. Now, the startup, the first topic we're going to be taking a look at when discussing customer development manifesto is understanding that the metrics that you use to analyze the growth of a startup is completely different from those in existing companies. When you're looking at a Fortune 500 established blue chip company, you have the very basic and understandable metrics that come from your profit and loss sheet, your cash flow, and your balance sheets. You have already established probably a lot of historical metrics, and you can probably backtrace your cash flow if you look at like an Apple to almost 20 years. Those are the metrics that are used a lot to value the efficiency of those larger companies. But if you're a startup, you likely don't even have cash flow at this point. You maybe have no assets or liabilities, and so why make a balance sheet? And your profit and loss isn't a well-fleshed-out metric or data set for you to really build off any meaningful results. You have to change the type of metrics you use to analyze success of growth and failure of growth in these startups. So some possible metrics that you should consider using instead of basing your decisions on the profit and loss or the cash flow is have pass-fail tests that prove a hypothesis. A lot of your metrics in the beginning should be, is this true? Yes or no. Did you do this? Yes or no. And having these pass-fails in a number of different categories makes it easier for you to track the leading indicators of what is ultimately going to become your cash flow, your balance sheet, and your profit and loss, but without an established historical point for you to build off of, this is where you start to build. You have to start asking questions like, have customer products been validated? Start setting up systems where you talk to five potential customers a day and see if the product is validated by those people. Your metric becomes three of the five said that they would use it. That is a pass or create your criteria for passing. Maybe a pass is one of the five said that that was a valuable asset. So maybe it's not that your product is wrong. Maybe you just need to find the right customers. You really need to test your hypothesis by building out different opportunities that come back as a pass or fail so that you can start building forward and building momentum in your business. Questions like, have the product features been validated? Does the minimum feature set resonate with your customers? Who is the customer? 
does your customer realize the value proposition? The, are they the right customer segmentation that you thought? What is the communication channels that your ideal customer uses most frequently? And where can you get quality face-to-face with your ideal customer? Another list of questions that need to be answered and can be very easy pass-fails is what is your average order size? These are very leading indicator as you start building more momentum and you start getting more data in your sales, you can start asking yourself, what's your average order size? Can you bump that number up? Can you bump that number down? What's your rate of sales pipeline growth? What's your closing rate for every single time you try to close on a new prospect? What's your revenue per salesperson? Daily outreaches. I think this is a massive one. You can really build out a lot of these metrics using the daily outreaches as your fundamental. If I have to talk to 20 people a day so I can reach out to everybody in my sphere, then have them then ask them, hey, would you do you think that this would be something useful for you? Have those outreaches, those daily outreaches, move your company towards your goal of validating your your product or discovering and validating your customers. And finally, brand awareness in this digital age. People say that word of mouth is no longer a viable business strategy, but with the distribution of what you say becoming such a simple tool for you to take advantage of, when you can really delve into the brand awareness created by posting consistently on your social medias, creating a podcast, doing YouTube, and giving value out to your community, then that starts to pick up steam And it becomes easier for you to validate a lot of these questions because if you already have a community of, say, 100,000 people and you ask, hey, would you guys use this product? You have 100,000 responses right away. And you can start narrowing down what your product needs to be based on your sample of 100,000 people. Second is you need to make fast decision making. Small cycle time, speed and tempo is everything. When you're in a startup situation, continuously there is a burn rate ticker that is counting you down to your last day in business. When you're in a startup, you are consistently on the clock. You have a certain amount of money in your bank account and you are burning a specific amount of capital to be able to maintain and grow your audience. That becomes your burn rate ticker. If I have $1,000 in my bank account, and if I'm spending $100 a month, then my burn rate is $100, and I only have 10 months of cash before I need to start making some drastic decisions on my business. The quicker you have your feedback loop, the more products, the more likely your product will find a scalable solution during that runway that you have in this case a 10 month runway if you takes if it takes you 10 months for you to get one iteration and it doesn't work then you're out of capital you have to either exit the industry or find a new source of capital from investors or a loan or from savings it's really important for you to make quick decisions because you're constantly on the clock when you're in the startup situation. Third is it's all about passion. 
a startup without passion is dead before you open the doors. Because honestly, startup people are built different. There's a certain level of comfort that comes from a having a stable job where you can come in every single day from eight to nine. You don't have to worry about generating revenue. All of the, your whole focus is just based on completing and executing the tasks that are established in your business. When you are in a startup situation, it's a completely different lifestyle. It's not a nine to five, it's a 24 seven. You feel like at all times you're wired for chaos, uncertainty, blinding speed and constant change. It's a, it's an organism that you're building. And an organism doesn't stay stable. It's constantly shifting and moving to the tides of whatever is working. And if you're not passionate about it, then you're not going to be able to push through when the tide recedes. And it's those who work on their project, even when everybody else would have quit, who make it to the next wave. If you don't have the passion to make it through the drought, then you're never going to have the passion to make it through the growth. Now, number four is startup job titles are different from corporations. In corporations, the job titles are designed to frame out the task at hand. So if you are a marketing person and you're going to deal with all their marketing, then you're the marketing specialist. If you are the accountant and you're going to deal with all their bookkeeping, then you're either a bookkeeper or you're there's accountant. And it's very set in the type of work that you're going to be doing. In the startup sphere, you may have one, two, three people in your organization, and you can't just separate the tasks out and have everybody do their number of tasks and nothing else because you're running the entire gambit. You may have to wear multiple hats on the same day, maybe switch from accountant to marketer to salesman to researcher and fill out the entire needs of the company until you have a more established business. And when you're doing this very flexible and mobile job type, you can't just stick to your title. It really needs to be a team type of situation where everybody has a very flexible workload and everyone helps each other pick up the slack because at the end of the day it's a bootstrapping situation where I may not be available to pick up the sales call and you may not be the salesperson but someone needs to pick up the sales call and we have no alternative and so if you're on my team then give me a hand and I'll help you out later. Number five is you need to preserve all cash until needed and then spend. There is a five section plan before you can start spending your money. First is you preserve cash. Any cash that you get, you start hoarding that like the dragon from the goblet from that one show, Hobbit from Hobbit like the dragon from Hobbit. You got to put all that money in your in your cave and never let anybody see it. While you're hoarding all your your money, you're looking for your hypothesis. You're you're looking to prove those hypotheses. So, then you're on step 2, you're searching. 
you're searching for a scalable business model, model through the customer discovery. So you have all these hypotheses on what your business model could be, and you're hoarding all your cash, and before you spend anything, you're testing to see if those hypotheses are true. As you test, we're not looking for these one-off big contracts, these players who are, you get that one contract from your family member and it's, it's gonna pay for 10 months worth of business operations, but it's unlikely to happen again. We're not looking for these one-off contracts, we're looking for repeatable systems and repeatable sales that can help your company establish a baseline of revenue to build off of. So you don't wanna get distracted by those one-off closings. You want a pattern of replicatable sales that you can build an organization off of. Something like a price list. If you can organize a price list of goods or services for your customers and your customers can just pick out of those and you don't need a salesman directly to customize each interaction for those customers, then you're able to scale out your team and it's a lot easier for you to build out the organization or build it out by having customers continuously take a look at your website. So customers that regularly visit a website, being able to monetize that visitation becomes another method of being able to establish a baseline of revenue for your business and then scaling it from there. Number four, before you spend any cash, is it needs to be scalable. You, the question when you're answering this is, does spending one more dollar in marketing bring in more gross profit than you invested? If yes, then it's scalable. If no, then keep searching. In this world of scalability, if you're spending an extra dollar and you get the client, but it takes you three times longer for you to set up a customized product for that client, and then they aren't incredibly qualified, so they can only spend a third of what you need, then you're not getting the gross returns on that, uh, that, on that investment that you require. So until you have a product that has lower marginal cost than the cost of acquisition, acquiring that client, then you have to keep looking for your business model. One way for you to be able to make this scalability model more applicable is by trying to increase the lifetime value of your customers. Now, if your product is selling one book, I have one book and I don't sell any courses, any speaking engagements attached to it, so it's only a $30 book, then the lifetime value is $30 because one person can't buy multiple books. So in that case, you can't spend more than $30 to acquire a customer. But if you take that same $30 book and you back end a lot of value for those people and they can have accountability coaching, they can have market research or speaking events based on that book, they can have a relationship with that person, with the author for a given fee, then you can start to see how that increases the lifetime value of the person who bought the book. And if you are able to maintain that customer, say for 10 years and every year they spend money on 
the value that you're offering them, then maybe their lifetime value is $5,000. And now it becomes a lot more manageable for you to spend a hundred, five hundred, even a thousand dollars for you to get that one client because your lifetime value of that one client is so outrageously large compared to the spend of you acquiring that client that it's something that you are able to do. Once you find that scalable product or service that has a larger gross profit than your cost of acquiring a product, then you spend it like there's no tomorrow. You've officially broken the system. You, it's cheaper for you to spend money to get a client than if you had to just wait and do it. And so now there's nothing holding you back. For every single dollar you spend on getting a client, you get $2 back. And so you can just keep spending. And then that's how you start building out your business. Number six is communicate and share your learnings. Now, if you're working in a team environment, you want to have very close communication with your team. You want to make sure that everybody is up to date on the most recent advances in the business, most recent advancements in the product or service, and have everybody on the same page. If you can do a once a week meeting, make sure everybody's understood, then that would be amazing. Now, it's not just your employees, it is your investors, it is your supporters, your your distributors, it's everybody on the value chain, and it really just keeps the relationship growing in a way where everyone feels like the work that they're putting into this product is being a value add and not a waste. And when we're thinking about brand awareness, and this communication of shared learning, put those two together. If you're building out your business, share your learnings to the social media because a lot of times you find that the people who are watching your videos are also the people who are involved in your company. So it's another way for you to be be the face of your brand and really lead the direction of the company through the words that you use in social media. And in that way, If you learn something interesting or unique about your industry, share it and you may find a new partnership, you may find a new upstream or downstream distributor, you may find that your employees are following your Instagram because you're their boss and that's something that they wanna do or you're their partner and that's something that they've been friends with for a while and they're like, wow, that's a cool direction he's taking in I am happy to be in that group. Now, number seven is the customer development success begins with buying. I want to iterate that this isn't a fluid, this isn't a like linear, I start here, this is my business model, step one to step two, we're done. A lot of times you see these business models that were created in the back office without communicating to potential customers break down once they hit the real world. You have to understand that this customer development process, it's fluid, it's non-linear, and you're searching for a business model and that can sometimes take a few years for you to find the breakaway scalable business model that you can just keep pumping marketing dollars into. Keep in mind, you're consistently creating an asset in intellectual or physical product. You're putting it out in front of people. You're getting feedback. 
and then you're reiterating. You're changing the asset, putting it out in front of the people, you're getting feedback, and then you're iterating. You're changing the asset, you're putting it out in front of people, and then you're getting feedback. It's this process that allows you to create an asset that people truly will use and spend money on, and at that point, you have an asset that's quality, now you figure out the price and the way to monetize that asset so that you, it's scalable. And then once you have a quality asset that is well-priced and gives good lifetime value to the customers and to the business, then you're able to pump the rest of your cash into marketing your asset, which creates revenue and starts flourishing and opening up the wings of this business. Now that revenue is coming in, the business can sustain itself and push through a majority of the issues. And that's success. Imagine at that point when we have revenue consistently from a scalable product, you're a bird who just flew out of the nest. And so the, the, the game isn't over. You've just started playing. And while it may have taken you a while for you to break out of the egg, clean your feathers, grow nice and strong, learn how to flap your wings, and then get the courage to jump. Now that you're flying, you need to learn how to live. And so those are the 14 steps to customer development. Again, according to the Startup Owner's Manual by Steve Blank, if you want to read the book yourself, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a cornerstone of my own library that I reference frequently when making my own startup business decisions. Take a look at it at econoveverything.com slash shop. We have a number of other books there that I find incredibly useful and interesting. And like always, please give me a like, comment, share on the podcast, let me know what you think. If there's anything else you want to hear, any other industry, any other startup or business or econ questions, put it in the comments and I will be sure to answer you specifically. Thank you all for showing up. Remember, econ of everything, our interest is in your future value. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.